Welcome to the Built On Air Podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OnToAir Backups. OnToAir Backups provides automated Airtable backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable backup system with OnToAir Backups at OnToAir.com. As one customer, Sarah, said, Having automated Airtable backups has freed up hours of my time every other week and the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OnToAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OnToAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OnToAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are in our final episode for season 17, episode eight. Good to be with you. We've got the full house today. Myself, Ali, Camille, and welcome, Hannah. Hi. Hannah's been on the show a few times and also helps basically run it behind the scenes. So good to have her get some FaceTime with the audience. Oh, thanks. So we'll uh, we'll have a show for us today. I'm going to bring on our slides. Maybe get rid of our branding so you can see everyone. So I'll go through what we're going to be talking about. We always have four segments. We start with our round the bases to keep you up to date on everything Airtable and what's new. And then a quick shout out to OnToAir, our primary sponsor. And then Camille's going to walk us through. I don't have a good segment for, for what she's going to be talking about. I put it in the fields, but it's basically about syncing the sync data and how, how records behave in under certain scenarios. When syncing, then Ali's gonna walk through some scripts to set field descriptions. Then a quick shout out to join our community. And then finally, Hannah's gonna walk us through a base that she has for managing grants. And so that around the bases, a few things going on. <clears throat> let's see, let's start, we're gonna start with, start here. So they announced um, expanded support for interfaces on mobile. So we talked about this. I think they had mentioned it previously, um, or maybe actually this is a new announcement, but basically there's there's better. I think somebody spotted it in the community. This is the official announcement. Um, so Android's getting some love. And yeah, well uh, iOS. my coworkers make fun of me. Um, I primarily contract for Apple right now, but I have an Android <laughs> phone, which means I can finally look at our stuff, all the stuff that we create. I can look at it now. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So that is good. Support for charts and numbers on mobile. That's great. Uh, like They've that's not done a lot. IOS. What's that, Hannah? I uh, said so that's great because for a long time, they didn't really add a whole lot to the mobile app. And yeah. so... 
now they seem to really be doing more with it, which is great for anyone who's not sitting at their desk all the time. I, I did also notice when you're developing or creating um, an interface page, you can preview it in what it would look like for mobile. Um, I don't know if it's there all the time, but there's at least one place in the interface designer where you can look at what it would look like on mobile, which is useful because it, it does look different. There's more limited um, things that can obviously fit on the screen. So it's something to consider when you're designing those pages. This is something, I think this is Alex Wolf, who's in the built-on air community and used to work at Airtable, but it looks like he's now at Airbnb. Interesting. All right, so version 6.0.1 supports interfaces on Android. So there's some announcements. There's a couple other features that, that people found um, new that we'll be talking about, um, but we'll go through a couple other from the Airtable community. So here's one asking about downgrading from enterprise to Teams. So if you're on enterprise and you're downgrading, they, um, so they downgraded from enterprise. My assumption was if you were on enterprise, you would have to go through your account manager to, to downgrade. Yeah, I actually just ran into this with a client because um, they, they downsized. They don't have enough seats to justify enterprise anymore. So they were going to go down to business. And I was trying to help them and even like in the admin panel, it's just a mess because you can have unlimited workspaces. So like you have to downgrade one workspace at a time. It just seems, and they all seem to be billed separately, even though you have unlimited, it's very odd. So I reached out to Airtable and they said, no, you, de you definitely need to go to the account manager. Yeah. Uh, so. Interesting. And maybe they did. Their actual question mm -hmm. is, so they downgraded to free and then now they have all these like old users that they want to delete, but the ability to delete, you have to be on the team's plan to delete users. And so they're kind of stuck. They don't want to upgrade with all of those users. Interesting. Um, so I think somebody said it's possible they have rights to bases and you have to go to each base and remove them or each workspace so that they don't have any permissions to any bases. And so it looks like that's the answer there. So if you're running into that. All right, here's another one that, that seems to, I know I think I have a client that um, is running into this issue, but there was some issues with copy and paste. Um, Jan here, Databaser uh, is talking about rich text. There was, um, an Airtable status where they were saying, um, was it rich text? Let's look at this. Yeah, this wasn't. Yeah. So they says it. They say it's resolved, but Scott's saying it's still an issue. Interesting. None of his issues with it have been fixed. Still have problems of copying and pasting a rich text. So I don't know if that's still an issue for people. But Airtable say they have it resolved. <laughs> yeah, it's responded. Yeah, so there may be, um, and I think, I think it's been there for a while. Well, let's look at this. 
Well, I guess it was identified on the ninth and then resolved the 13th. So, so maybe it, it, it hasn't always been there and they got it fixed. So anyways, like, tell us if it's working for you, if, if, uh, you're able to copy and paste rich text fields. Very interesting. Yeah. All right, moving on to the built on their community, a few things. Um, this one uh, was just kind of cool. If you do SEO and looking for an example, we'll actually have um, Borgia come on and show us. I think he, he said Hannah's going to reach out to him and, and get him on next season, maybe. But um, if you're interested in how somebody built a, an article writing tool with SEO and AI inside of Airtable and automatically published to to WordPress. Uh, he put together a Loom video walking through how he does that. So could be of interest if you're in the marketing SEO world. All right, here's one from um, Ben mentions that download CSV from interfaces is new, I believe. Did we talk about this before? Can't remember if it was on their what's new page. It is now referenced on their what's new page. Yeah. So they, they have announced it, but I don't know, but this is awesome because like if you've ever um, used glide or something like that, they already have that in there. And sometimes you just want to have a spreadsheet really quick of the data and, you know, there are workarounds in interfaces to do that, but just having that, that button right there is really great. I was excited about this one. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in interfaces and you need the ability to export as a CSV, that's now available. That's nice. So yeah. So where do you set yeah. this? Um, let's see. Where is the screen? If you um, are on the full page uh, interface types, um, it's in the right hand sidebar. It'll just be visible under. You can kind of see it in that screenshot. It's nested under user actions, the same place where you enable someone to sort or search or filter um, the end user, uh, giving them that opportunity. And if you're on a detailed page, it's also in that same relative location. Wherever you would go to turn on filtering for your end users is the same place you would go to turn on um, downloading as a CSV. So this is uh, pretty useful. I've I had a client before where they wanted um, a, a view that was easy to export to their different partners, but they kept having to filter that view for each client that they had or have like 30 copies of the same view. And then now it looks like they can um, just create an interface and use that interface like toggle for which client it is, which should be a lot faster for them. Yeah, that's cool. All right, next one is from Russell, talking about conditional visibility in interfaces can only be defined by the contents of previous fields. Mm -hmm. So that's great for forms. That makes sense because you're usually going one at a time, but it's bad for interfaces or everything else. So the most common requirement is if something is empty, hide it. So but we can't do that. We did talk about this before. It doesn't necessarily have to be a previous field. It could be any field that is on the page and that field itself can be hidden. Um, I don't know if you can hide a field 
based on if that field is empty off the top of my head. I don't know. I think it has to be based on other fields, but um, the field by which you are uh, hiding everything does not itself have to be visible. It does need to be on the page, though. That's for interface only, right? The conditional yeah. on forms, it's previous. Correct. Right. Yeah. Which makes sense on forms. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a very odd decision. Yeah, it should be, you know, just like they have on filters, like there's no is empty or is not empty on the filters, right? Yeah. I, I don't understand why, like, for example, like the list view, it's different whether, like there's different options, whether you're on like the main interface page or the detail page or one of the old interfaces or in the base, like they're all five of those have different iterations. It's so strange. Yeah. yeah. And you can't, um, can you, I can't remember in this drop down here, can you select the, the field you're trying to filter? Or can you I don't remember. I, I will test in the background to see if that's the case. I feel like you can't. I feel like it has to be other fields, but I will test and see what the results are. Yeah, because I could see why maybe they, they made that decision that you can't do a filter based off of the current one. Because then you can't, if you hide it, you can't change it to unhide it if the filter is based off of that value. Mm -hmm. Um. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to tell from this. Yeah. Can't even hack it with a mirrored formula field that just says if a field is empty or not, I assume because the formula reference the field you have selected. So you can't even, so it doesn't give you, so you can use a formula field, but not if that formula field references yeah. the field you want to filter. So they clearly put thought into this. So there, there's some reason that they made that decision. Because you would, if they didn't put thought into it, I would think those formula fields would show up. So the um, field selection for when you filter by a field being visible, you cannot select the field you're currently on. So if you're trying to hide name when name is empty, you can't filter by when name is empty. It has to yeah. be a different field. Yeah. And apparently not a formula field. <clears throat> yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe that's something they'll, they'll revisit. All right. One more. Hannah, what did you find today? Okay. Formula fields. You can now see the results as you're typing the formula out, which is awesome. So you can see if uh, it's valid and what what results you'll get once you save that formula. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So you basically select a record and then it just sticks on that record. It uses the values from that record and then shows you the result. Is it just right to the right of that? Um, yeah. Below. I mean, basically what that is, is the the formula is valid. So it's showing me all the, the results that would show in my, you know, whatever it is in my, um, but basically I can filter kind of, I guess. Um, 
But where does it, uh, where's the preview? Is that down here, this lower section? No, it, it's like you click, you click on that blue upload where it says kind of upload most recent, which uh -huh. is a, yeah. And then it just drops down and shows you the results. So in that formula, it's a due within 90 days and it's based on the due date. And so what it's showing me are all the results that would display for that formula. That's so cool. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before. So I don't know if Josh says it's, I couldn't, I couldn't understand. I just it. saw it this morning editing one yeah. and I'm like, I don't think that it was there. I mean, yeah. Too long. yeah. This would have been new. I've been writing formulas like crazy recently, and yeah. I think I would have noticed. I hope I yeah, would have noticed. Yeah, I would have too. <laughs> it surprised me. Yeah. All right. That's a cool feature. All right. Some more. Uh, this is from Table Forums. So on the new um, dashboard interface, asking about the filtering. So uh, this person's asking... They used to on the like on the view uh, or on the data layer, you can filter by a date and you can use that same date multiple times in the filter. So you can say the date has to be greater than or equal to a certain date and less than or equal to another date so that you could like lock it into a range. Mm -hmm. But apparently in interfaces, you can't use the same field twice in the filter. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, Scott had a good uh, workaround where he just created a formula field to display that date again, and then you can use the formula field in the, in the filter um, as well as the original date field. But yeah, it's very silly. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of really silly things, I think, with the new dashboard. I like some things, but other things I'm just like, why? <laughs> Yeah, there, that one feels more like an oversight necessarily than like a feature or perhaps something that has to do with like gating performance or something. It just, it, it feels odd that that is uh, an instance where you can't filter by the same field twice, whereas in other, like basically everywhere else in the product, there that limitation doesn't exist. I can kind of see it for when... Um, if you have those drop downs at the top of a full page interface or on the dashboard page where like each field appears once, that makes sense because you don't want to have like, why would you have two of the same drop down? When does that second drop down appear? Does it get added automatically? That is the only instance where I think that makes sense from a design perspective. But in terms of like everywhere else that you can filter and every other type of filtering, that does not make sense in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. They did. They expanded upon the like options, like when you're filtering by a date field on an interface, they made it so there's more options in that drop down. It would be great if you could just set a, a custom range like you can do, yeah. you know, this on or after exact date, but they should allow you to have like the two conditions within that. It's one. between. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you do that, then you, you'll probably take out a, a good chunk of these use cases but sometimes you you do want um the the one i run into all the time with select choices and linked records is i want to check that something is not blank but is also not any of the following and mm -hmm. that requires two conditions it can't be uh done in a single one to my knowledge yeah 
Absolutely. And is this for all field types? You can't like a text field. You can't say name is Camille or name is Ali. You can't yeah. do that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think, I think that's always been the case. Even when interfaces were first put out, you can't, they're all, all and always. I don't think you can change it to and or, and they don't have condition groups either. So mm. it's always been a bit limited. Um, yeah. The, the baked in filter, the one that is not displayed to um, end users that can have uh, conditions on it, but the end user filters uh, was always either and or or. And I think the first filter element that was on like the blank page layout and like the ones that were completely like drag and drop anywhere, those were always and and you couldn't do or. So yeah, yeah. it's always been kind of a weak point. Yeah, Absolutely. Something that's been really bothering me is like I used to be able to like with the blank dashboards or like the record review, you know, I, I do something all the time where I link up all my tables to a table called months, for example. So I, I can like bucket my data into months and then I could look at one of those months and display on the page all the data having to do with that month and filter it all with the same kind of things. But you can't do that anymore on the new dashboard because you have to have separate filters for each section so you can't you'd have to go through and say this month is this this month is this and like set them all but hmm. it's i don't know I, I think maybe one day they'll fix it but until then i'm not really able to use the new dashboard in the ways i want hmm. yeah it's it's definitely version one <laughs> yeah that's true all right a few more. Here we go. Start here. From Twitter, Airtable just uh, had a birthday, 11 years. And so happy birthday, Airtable, 11 yeah. years in. So it must be February, February 22nd, February 21st is their birthday. <clears throat> I think I remember last year when they had their 10 year. Okay, kind of on the same thing, uh, something else I found on X, Twitter, um, just an article from Wall Street Journal talking about company or people that left, um, that left uh, the Bay Area but are now coming back. And they mentioned Airtable, the founder of Airtable, which I assume is Howie. I think he was in LA and apparently now came back to San Francisco to run things. So um, sounds like Airtable is coming back to the office, which is the mm -hmm. trend for, for tech companies. <clears throat> um, here's another one. Somebody showing what their calendar view, or this is a this is a uh, timeline view, I assume. Um, kind of cool. So curious if anybody has something more complex than this. <laughs> If you, so this is like an event calendar of a conference and all the key, all the speakers and everything. So always uh -huh. nice to see people pushing the limits. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I like that comment. Looks like uh, one of those guitar hero things where you need uh, to match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This looks impossible. Yeah. Looks stressful. <laughs> Expert yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. All right, 
some more. So this uh, more outages, increased error rates last week. So uh, a few days ago, if you saw some errors through automations, you weren't alone. Airtable looks like had some outages. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's back up. And finally, friend of the show, Russell, uh, is hosting a Airtable meetup in London. So if you're out in that area, um, check out his link here to sign up and uh, join other Airtable fans out in London for a, for a meetup. So that would be good with Russell. Awesome. Cool. Any other news or updates in the world of Airtable that I missed? I think that's yep. it. Yep. All right, let's move on. Talk about backups. If you are relying on Airtable to run your business, best practice says to have your data stored outside of Airtable. That's where backups comes in from OntoAir. Check it out at ontoair.com. You can use promo code built on air to get a discount and be able to make sure that all your data, all your attachments and your schema are backed up outside of Airtable and we save it to your Google Drive, your Box or your Dropbox account. So check us out at ontoair.com. With that, Camille is gonna share some fun syncing stories with us. <laughs> Well, now seems as good as time as any to have a brief refresher course on what happens when you sync from one table to another in Airtable. A lot of this is going to be consistent no matter what your sync type is, if it's Airtable to Airtable or if you're using the built-in, um, you know, like the Google Drive sync uh, to another Airtable base, or if you just have um, any of the other ones. And at the end result, you have one table in Airtable that is syncing to a different table also in Airtable. So really simple setup. Um, I have a view that has just five uh, records that is being synced to this other base. Come in here. And then for my other table in that same second base, I am linking to some of those records that are syncing in. Uh, I just want to make reference to a lot of things that happen in the revision history. When you link to a record, obviously that is a change to this record, in this case, record number three. And so that should show up in your side panel. If you were to delete um, or rather unlink the record, it should also show up as a change in history for that record. I'm going to go ahead and relink the same one. But what happens if a record is desynced from your synced table? Uh, what would that look like in terms of revision history? So I'm going to find lemon ginger shake in my original and I'm just going to delete this recipe. So what should happen is um, you can see it kind of over here, but you could definitely see it right here. It is no longer linked to that linked record, but you'll notice it doesn't show up in the revision history either. So uh, just as a note of clarification, when you link and unlink or make a change back and forth, like within the same minute or so of, um, 
of Airtable, it will sometimes it collapses the the change. So me linking it in the first place, delinking it and relinking it was removed, but it being desynced from the table is not logged anywhere in the revision history. And if I hard refresh the page just in case to see if it shows up, it will not. Hmm. Um, other weird behavior. Now it doesn't say that it was ever linked at all uh, because the record does not exist in this base at all. Um, fun times with syncing behavior. I linked all of these uh, right back to back before the uh, podcast began and you can see it remembers that this one was linked roughly at the same time period but the other one, it's as though that record never existed here. Um, hmm. So what do you do um, if you needed that um, record for whatever reason in your downstream base? There's a couple of things that you could do. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my trash and I see that I have that record uh, deleted, much like you would for any record that you actually delete, not it being desynced from a, a table in your base, but something being deleted. This is a regular Airtable table, so this is standard behavior. It shows up in my trash of my original base, not in my synced base. And I'll demonstrate that as well. If I go to my trash here, there's, you know, other stuff that I have done, but not that missing record lemon ginger shake from my synced table. If I restore this, it'll come back in. It will relink itself to other tables that were in this base, which is great. It comes in completely restored of how it originally was. And then conveniently in Airtable, it shows back up in its synced table. And now all of that history comes back. Wow. And then it has changed its mind about whether or not to collapse <laughs> this change into one. But it does not recognize that it being linked back from being desynced is a different change. Um, it's a bit confusing. This linking here is not um, is not technically it being relinked. Feel like that was very confusing, but this is in fact a somewhat confusing process. <laughs> to recap, what happens um, if you were to delete something uh, in some way, shape, or form from the source? That means either deleting the record, which is what I did previously, or if this were a filtered view, right now I didn't have a filter, but if I say does not contain, let's say butter now. So now it's removed from this view, but still exists in the source space. It should, oh wait, I wasn't linking to anything. Sorry, let me do chocolate so that we can see for demonstration. If I could spell, that would be great. Does not contain Chaco. It will do the same thing. It is though it never existed in this base, this downstream base that I have. If I were to look at its revision history, it does not show up as any type of modification and you would have no way of knowing. Even if I had a lookup of that linked record and a formula based on that lookup, that is not reflected either. Uh, and just to, for ultimate clarity, it being desynced does not show up in the downstream bases uh, revision history or deletion history. If you were to restore a deleted record from the trash, or if you were to 
uh, adjust your filters such that that record is added back to the origin or the uh, home base, it will add itself back to the downstream base, relink itself to whatever it was previously linked to. Um, and then that change is also not actually reflected in revision history as well. You'll see it's only showing me the first time I linked to the record 30 minutes ago, not that it was removed and then added back by nature of syncing and restoration. Something to keep in mind though, although this being removed and this zeroing out, therefore my formula zeroing out is not reflected in revision history, it is still technically a change in field value. So if you had an automation that was triggered for when this linked field is empty or <laughs> when this is filled, that automation will trigger when either of those conditions are met because it is now empty or in this case now filled. Mm -hmm. Same thing with your formula. So if you had an automation that said, alert me when the amount is over $10, it will alert you twice when it first did it. And then when you removed the record and therefore zeroed out the formula, and then when you restored it, that's when you would get that second email automation automation because it now has reached those conditions again. Yikes. Something yikes. to keep in mind when you have a synced table. <laughs> there is an option that might save you some uh, headaches. If you go to your synced table, not the source, but wherever it is, it is synced to and update its sync configuration, there's an option for delete records when they are deleted or hidden in source. Hidden in source would be the same thing as filtering it out of the view if it's in, um, if you're using an Airtable view. Um, if you're using Google Drive or something, you move it out of the folder and then move it back, something like that. Um, going to change, delete the records in this table is on by default. If you have leave the records in this table turned on, what will happen is this synced record uh, will be more or less orphaned. So it will no longer receive updates from the source. Uh, let me demonstrate that. If I delete Lemmerger Shake again, it should remain how it is in this table. Um, and we'll pause here for a moment. You'll see that nothing is changing. I'm going to, and then just for demonstration purposes, again, this is still linked to it because it's synced copy still exists. It just doesn't have any updates coming to it. Mm -hmm. If I hit control Z, filter it down. Um, it's now still in this space. I'm going to filter it out of the view so it's gone but still exists in this table that does not contain lemon um, and then I'm going to make another view really quickly just to demonstrate what happens if I rename that record it should still be in this table but it's not going to know that its name is now lemon ginger shake plus all that extra stuff. It has severed its tie from the original, but does still remain in this space. So you're not going to have the linking and unlinking that happens mysteriously and without warning um, <laughs> in your downstream base. 
But um, you will run into that where if something changes in the original, you're not going to get those updates anymore. So something to if keep you, in mind. But that if you is bring the, it back into view. If you bring yes. it back, will it then update? Or does it, it sure create? will. Um, so what's happening is it should come in and let's sort of watch it. I'll go to this table. Yeah, so it's updating the correct one. It does not create a copy of that record. It is looking at a unique identifier for the synced table. Uh, because I'm doing Airtable to Airtable, that is the original record ID as they exist here. And so it knows this is the same record ID, therefore update this row rather than adding a new one. And that's why all of your linked relationships are preserved even after they come back after restoration, because it knows which unique identifier to look for. Um, it is the same if you have another sync source. So when you are syncing through the sync API, for instance, you are asked which of these fields has a unique identifier, and they very much should be truly unique identifiers so you can have this type of behavior represented. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> I can only imagine like the developers like, what do we do in this scenario? What about this use case, edge case? <clears throat> There's it's one of those things where like I, I feel like I understand why it behaves this way. And I'm it is so helpful that restoring a deleted record or filtering it back in will fix all of your links so you don't have to figure out what was linked before. But I really wish that something being desynced from the table shows up in its revision history. I'll do this one because it is less okay. confusing. There's it does not show up at all that it was desynced and then resynced back in. Yeah. Alicia asks if there is any visual indicator that it's been orphaned. You can no. crack it. You can, what I do is I, I put a button in, if you do a button to open the source record, it'll, mm -hmm. the button will be uh, grayed out and then you can use a formula field that says, you know, if that button field is empty, then it's deleted. So just to quickly demonstrate what Ali is saying, open source record, this option will only show up if you are inside of a synced table. I will do this, all of these, let me give it a background so it's more visible on screen. And then if I once more with feeling, delete this from that view, um, it should, yeah, now it's grayed out because again, I have the setting on don't delete uh, synced records. That's why it's still here, but now it's grayed out. And so that would be your first visual indicator. But Ali was taking it another step for, uh, further with a formula. Formula. And then you said if the button. Or if not button deleted. Okay. You can do it, you know, either way, really. Yeah. You don't have the uh, preview. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have it yet. So I feel wrong. cheated. <laughs> but yeah, so that is a uh, that's something that does did not immediately come to mind for me. But yeah, this is this would be great. And of course, now you can um, color code your things based on um, if your formula is 
not empty, then it should be red because it's gone. Stuff like that. There you go. Awesome. That is great stuff. That's probably the deepest dive anybody's ever done on uh, synced records. Very cool. It's one of those things that doesn't come up until it does silently. I'm just and thinking then- about how the person put it there and they're like, I, I, it was there. I, I promise it was there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it doesn't show. <laughs> yeah. And this is a great option to have to leave the record in there if it's not deleted, but it is very confusing if you don't have something like at what Ali just mentioned yeah. that lets you know that it is like the tie has been severed. Cause then you're like, well, what it's right in the original. Why is it not right here? And yada, yada, yada. So be mindful of the settings you have turned on. Also, if it's something where it's a critical base, something you can also do in the original one, if you do, um, I don't have it on the plan that this space is sitting in, but able enable table permissions and turn off deletion so that yeah. no one can delete it yeah. and then lock the view so no one can change the filters yeah excellent thank you for sharing that and we're gonna go back here and now ali is gonna walk us through some scripting awesome okay so this is a pretty uh somewhat niche um use case, but it's something I was actually doing a lot of the other day that I found useful. Um, And Alicia will actually uh, recognize what I'm doing here. We talk about this a lot. So I've written a couple scripts to populate a table of fields. So with the metadata um, in your base, I've did a really dumbed down version of it here for for now. I only grabbed a couple different fields. Kavan has an app out there in, I think, in the marketplace that can do this too, and it's super fancy. Um, so I highly recommend it. Um, so it makes it really nice. You can actually kind of look at all the fields that you have in a base on a table. You can group them by your table um, and get a feel for, you know, if you've got things, um, duplicate information, all that kind of stuff. Um, And one thing, this was, I did a really, really quick, very quick script just to populate this table, but you can get way fancier with it. Um, So the use case that I'm gonna talk about today is there is a relatively new JavaScript method that Airtable has given us um, to allow you to use scripting to update the field's description. And I have found this really, useful as I'm going through and kind of doing a base audit uh, on one of my larger bases that I work in all the time. I've got thousands of fields and we're trying really hard to like keep up with field descriptions, which I am terrible at. Um, So if you're like me and you hate documentation, this might be helpful. So rather than actually going through all the tables and like finding the fields adding the descriptions, you've got to click, edit the description, add it here, save, go to the next one. Takes a lot of time and lots of clicks. Having it in this kind of format is really nice because what it's allowed me to do is I could just write the field description in here. Um, I can just write, you know, the address of the company, for example. And then I'm gonna write, I'm gonna show you how you can write a script to just click a button and have that field description update. 
So real quick, I'm going to write this um, script very simply without any bells and whistles. Um, but I'm going to say let table fields and let me make this big. Um, we'll say base.get table fields because I need to define the table that I'm going to be clicking a button on. Um, I'm going to say let the record that I'm selecting equal await input.recordAsync. And I'm going to say just choose record because I have to give it a label. Um, and then table fields is my source. Um, so now I'm going to say uh, if I have selected a record, um, I'm going to say let the field ID equal record.getCellValue field ID. And the description I want to update is that description field. Now, let's say I want to like just output on the screen what that description is. Uh, I'm going to say output.text description. So just to demonstrate that, let's put a, a button to run a script. And I'm going to point it at my demo dashboard. I didn't name my scripting app, so it's not very helpful here. But we'll say set field description. I apologize. I'm slowly getting over a cold, so my voice is like totally gone right now. Um, so when I click this button, all it's going to do is just output what that description is. So next, I want to be able to ask the user, like, hey, are you sure you want to update the field description? So we'll just put in a set of buttons. And we'll say, like, let should update another input. But this time, I'm going to use buttons. Update field description. And they'll have just yes or no. And then if they pick yes, and we will say um, we need to, in order for us to use this field description method, we need to pass it a couple things. So one of those things is the field itself. So I need to actually go out and get the field on that table. So I have the table name here. So I'm going to have to use, I have to go get the field on that table. So that's going to be my next step here, where I'm just going to say let table equal base.getTable. And we'll say, um, I should have defined it as a variable up here, uh, record.getCellValueTable. No, well, table two update, you need to name your variables uniquely. <laughs> um, so then we need to define that field. So field to update equals table to update to get that field. And this time I'm just going to use the field ID that I have here on that table. And then we'll say await field to update dot update description async. And then I'm just going to pass in that description here. 
and that's really it. So then I can, you know, output, um, or let's just do text for now. Usually I'll end my script by saying something like done. Now, when I click this button here, it's gonna say, here's the description. You know, I could make this fancier with headings and stuff, um, but we'll say update field description, yes. And it says, okay, done. So now if I go actually look at that field on my company's table, it's called address. Now I have a field description that says what I typed in there. So this has saved me a lot of time as I'm trying to go through and like beef up the documentation and descriptions in my bases. Um, I could just kind of go through and type what I want the description to be, click the button and I'm all done. And I don't need to kind of go searching through each table to find each field as I'm updating the description. And that's about that's awesome. Yeah, very useful. You don't have to go to each one individually. Exactly. Cool stuff. Maybe, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, let us know. We can maybe make that script available for you to play with. Absolutely. I have a fancier version of it, so I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, I can share that maybe in the Slack channel or something. Okay, great. Thank you, Ali, for sharing that. And just quick, um, if you are not in our community, we would love for you to join us. Builtonair.com slash join will get you in. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch the podcast as much as you can. Share it with your friends. Join us. We will finish off with a base on grant management with Hannah. If you want to share your screen. All right. Oh, sorry. Pick the right one here. How's that? Yep. You're on. Okay. So um, this is a grants management system. And a little about me, I run a basically the grants program for a nonprofit. So Essentially, what that is, is writing grant proposals and grant reports to get funding from foundations. And, uh, you know, you have to really be organized and plan it out uh, because most of them have specific deadlines and um, you, you have to do it on time. And you definitely don't want to miss a deadline because that means you don't you may or may not get the money. Uh, to to do it. So uh, years ago, I, of course, was using a spreadsheet just to manage everything. And it's, um, you know, when you're when you're doing that, you can't necessarily keep track of specific foundations that you ask for money year over year. And so I several years ago, set up an Airtable base to where it's helps me really manage that process. Of course, I use things like linked records to link foundations to grant proposals and different things. And so this is just a demo of uh, what I use. I actually created an interface for it, um, you know, I don't know, six months ago, typically just was using the the back end, but now um, with the dashboard, you can really get a snapshot of what's upcoming and what's due and things like that. So um, it's been pretty helpful. Uh, typically, 
Uh, this is the, the dashboard. So I can see at any time how many proposals I have open, what is due uh, this month, what's due in 90 days, because a lot of times for a proposal, you have to have several pieces of documentation and budgets and just a lot of different documents. And so it kind of helps me stay ahead and know what is upcoming on there. Uh, in this case, several of these use uh, formulas. Actually, that 90 days formula was one that uses one of these here that we were looking at a minute ago. And so it can tell me uh, what proposals are due within 90 days. And so uh, I can see that I also have tasks related to different proposals um, and also grant reports. So several different things, but I can get a snapshot of everything that's upcoming. Uh, these, uh, the amount received and pending right now, they're just set to capture everything, but this could be filtered down further to say within the specific year, you know, what's my budget, how far am I, what I've received so far for the year. So now in the grant proposals, I just basically have them uh, grouped by statuses. So a lot of times what I do is uh, when it comes to grant proposals, you really have to be a year ahead because a lot of times a foundation will only have uh, deadlines maybe once a year or, or two times a year. So uh, it really has to be planned out about a year ahead because if you miss it, then you're like a year and a half behind and don't get the money. So uh, really have to stay on top of that so I can see, you know, what I have in progress, what's pending, what I have coming up next and what uh, I've received. And again, on on the backside of this, a lot of it is linked together, which has really made it helpful to be able to see how much I've requested from specific foundations, um, how many proposals we've sent them, and uh, at any time, you know, do we have an active proposal or uh, is it from another fiscal year? So again, in interfaces, I've just created a, uh, a page that really shows me everything I need and uh, for a grant writer, a lot of times it helps to know um, different things. So uh, let's see here. So the request cycle when it's open, how much you want to request, how much you are going to request, outcomes and goals for the proposal. Uh, you can have your tasks and various different things, links to the request for proposal and even files if you uh, also want to link that, which as you know, on Airtable that may or may not be the best solution. So I also keep everything in Dropbox as well. So on the funders, basically just all the information, I mean, uh, as far as um, who were getting funding from, let me find one that actually has one. Of course, you can keep all the, the contact information and then have, can see, you know, what projects are active for each one. Uh, the, all the grant proposals we've written to them 
uh, over any time. I mean, really, it's it's really a, a customer relationship manager uh, is the way that I look at it. And then interactions and messages to them and things like that. Uh, tasks related to either a grant proposal or grant reports, uh, due dates. Um, again, all of this I keep on the dashboard because you can see it at any time. And then I've also showcased this to other grant writers because a lot of them may not work for just one sole nonprofit. They, uh, you know, consult with multiple ones. And so that you can also have clients here. So you can, uh, this is a formula or I guess probably a roll up that is showing all the active proposals for each one, how much you've received for each client, uh, different things like that. And then on the reporting, um, this is one that I'm going to change now that the download CSV is an option because right now these are all buttons that are linked to uh, various views uh, in just the database. And so instead of, you know, it is nice to kind of be able to do this, but at the same time, it can also be transitioned to probably, um, you know, using the download file option. Uh, so it's just linked to different filtered views that you can get a snapshot of and download the CSV to have at any time, which uh, as I think Camille mentioned earlier, just being able to send someone a spreadsheet is still, you know, super useful for someone. You don't necessarily need to share a dashboard here. Here's a list of everything we have open. So that is um, what that is. And uh, yeah, that's, that's it. If you're a, if, if there's anybody in nonprofits who is needing to, uh, you know, really manage their grant proposal process and reporting, uh, this is a great way to do it. Airtable has kept me organized and made sure that uh, I don't miss any deadlines and, and we get money. So that's really great. Let us know how the download CSV goes when you switch out that reporting tab, because I do kind of like having those buttons that kind of take you to each place. But when um, if you do an interface page, because interface pages have tabs, let us know when you download the CSV. Is it just the tab you're looking on or is it the whole thing? Because that yeah. I think would be, it would be great if you could do it tab at a time so that you can have pre-filters on there rather than you having yeah. to make a new page for each of those buttons that you had on your reporting screen. Yeah. And that's a good point too, because, you know, part of that reporting screen is, okay, what, what really snapshot of information do you need during a year? Who do I need to report to every month? Who needs to see the quarterly reports? on it and what all do we have open. And so part of that reporting are, you know, really those pre-filtered, here's just a quick snapshot that at any time you could send to someone. And so trying to look at those CSVs now because they do need to be pre-made and, um, you know, filtered down to something specific. So I'll let you know. Is there a... Um industry specific software out there that a lot of people use for this or is it pretty much spreadsheets you know so it's interesting because um 
there is, but some of it is, um, you know, it's, it's old, outdated looking. And, it, you know, it's one of those, I feel like in industry where there's grant writers, you know, you're just using your spreadsheet, you're making sure you write the proposal and get the money. And that's really all that matters. And when it comes to kind of, you know, that tech side of it, it's not so much there yet. There are some newer systems out now that combine a little bit of the tracking, but also uh, when you're in grants management, you have to also do a lot of research and finding specific funders who would support your type of cause. And so there are some out there now that are starting to combine both of those together. Um, and, you know, they're, they're pricey, but yeah. it just really depends on what you need. They can be super useful because you can identify a foundation that you didn't realize may give you money. So it's kind of a trade-off and depending on where you are in your budget. Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what I love about Airtable is like, this replaces what could have been a full SaaS solution you know, a few years ago. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, I've had to, obviously you do need to get in there and create some formulas and things to showcase some things a little bit easier on it. Um, but really being the linked records is what really changes it because at any time you can keep, keep track of, you know, what funders and proposals and things like that. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that and excited to see how that evolves as you continue to develop it. So that concludes not only today's episode, but also season 17. So we will be off for a few weeks. We'll be back at the beginning of April. Hopefully everybody has a great uh, March and month and we will see you in a few weeks. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, OntoAir Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.